Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to go through my fitness goals right now and my approach. I really wanted to record last episode, episode 23 on muscle building fitness phases, where I do review build phases. And then I also reviewed a little bit of body recomp and I shared links to a few pieces of research that I found very interesting, some studies that I that I liked. And they got me thinking like, what can I achieve now? Here I am a more well-trained individual. And what can I achieve over a 12-week period if I were tr- to try to do body recomp? And in the last episode, I did talk about how this is very personal. Like some people can do body recomp and see increases in muscle gains. Other people may see lower or even plateaus. And that can depend on their approach. Um, Maybe they're not training as, as well as they could, or maybe their body just does not respond to body recomp at maintenance, and they have to push in to build phases. And so I've been thinking a lot about my body over the years and what I've seen work really, really well. So when I very first started, if you've seen my uh, pictures over the first two to three years, you know, the first year I was doing body recomp, I was, for the most part, I was lower calorie calorie deficit. And I was on varying degrees. There was a time when I went into an aggressive calorie deficit, then I moved it back up to just shy of maintenance. And I sat there for a while. And I was able to see some great body recomp. I was able to see body fat come down, muscle mass go up. And what I saw in my back and my arms, the definition come out there was really, really exciting. Now, my lower body was kind of the lagging muscle group, if you will. And that was for a few reasons. One of them, if you remember from previous episodes, I had a back injury. So my first year of weightlifting, I literally could not touch anything lower body. I started incorporating a little bit of body weight movements, but my low back injury... I had three bulging discs and they were so bad that I just couldn't do anything. And they did in that that injury did improve over time. I was able to slowly start incorporating weights and if any of you follow me on Instagram, you see that I am RDLs over 200 pounds. It's not an issue for my back anymore. It's really exciting. But not going to get too much into that because injury is such an individual thing, but I did go to a physical therapist, a sports therapist for a while, and it was actually just making things worse. So not training, not running, I should say, because at the time I was a big runner. So stopping running, and then I got pregnant with Hazel and I put on a lot of weight during that because I couldn't do anything everything hurt my low back. And then I have a tilted uterus. That is something you probably didn't care to know about, Lindsay, but my uterus tilts back. It's actually one of the reasons why when I get pregnant, the baby sits back into me 
and and throughout the pregnancy it will move forward but my my two pregnancies that I've had both children actually sit back into me and so that can put a little bit more strain on my spine as I'm sure those of you who have been pregnant can almost imagine that and ouch right so with hazel i i had this three bulging disc plus i this uh pregnancy where she's tilted back in and anything was just very uncomfortable but it was actually really good just to take this entire year off and then after or i should say 9 months and then after 3 months of you know post pregnancy everybody told me oh the the weight will just fall off it'll fall off it'll fall off no biggie you don't have to change or do anything it'll just fall off and it didn't the weight did not just fall off and so after 3 months that's when i really pushed into a calorie deficit and i lost 30 pounds and i was also building muscle at the time so i i was get, experiencing this nice shift in body recomp and i was really excited but it got to a point where i plateaued and around maintenance, I was no longer putting on muscle. Um, so like I said, my lower body was kind of the the lagging muscle part, if you will. It was not growing. And so there were, there were two things at this point. One, I couldn't train him. Then I started training. I saw some minimal rewards. But also looking back, I mean, I remember the very, very first biomechanics in-person practical that I went to with N1 Education, which was phenomenal and really blew my mind, really increased my knowledge on the way the body works. So N1 Education for trainers, it is literally the, the best. And I am a course junkie. Remember that, okay, guys? A course junkie. I've done a lot of stuff that's not N1. And that is hands down the best. And that will take any trainer, any coach to the next level, hands down. So anyways, I went there and the first thing that Cassim Hansen, who's the developer of all of this and just kind of the genius behind this, the first thing he said to me was, well, besides, hi, Lindsay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was the first thing. The second thing was, your hip hinge sucks. <laughs> So if you if if I had wondered why my glutes weren't growing, that point I knew why. Your hip hinge sucks. So through through developing better neurological patterns on my lower body, that's another thing that then really helped my glutes and my legs grow. The other thing that really helped the lagging body part was actually not to do more but to do less, but at a greater intensity. And when I say intensity, a lot of times people think hit, high intensity, right? Okay, that's what I need to do then. I need to do this like hit type of lower body workout or whatever the lagging muscle group is. And that's not what I mean by intensity. So I started increasing the intensity of work as far as mechanical tension at the muscle. So I was shifting. I actually went from lifting six times a week and then I moved it down to four. And before I was doing lower body three times a week because higher frequency equals more muscle or so everybody says, except for 
it doesn't. If the volume equates, it actually more frequency doesn't equate necessarily to more muscle growth. So I actually dropped the frequency and the volume, but I went from high frequency, high volume, and not seeing the progress that I wanted to, to cutting it down to working legs two times a week and cutting the volume down in half. I actually would do one day that was glutes and hams and the other leg day was more directed towards quad work. And so I find that those are some really good splits. Unless you want to include squats, then that's going to be, um, you know, a quad and glute day, which you can do that. I'm not saying that that's there. I There's a ton of different options that you can do, but I'm just saying like, this is something that I went and started doing just basics of, okay, so I'm going to do legs two times a week. One day is going to be focused on hamstrings and glutes a lot of that posterior chain. And then the other day is going to be focused more on quads. And there are some great movements that we can do that are very quad dominant. For example, a hack squat, especially when you put the feet lower, that's going to minimize hip flexion. So you're not going to be lengthening out the glutes as much, and you're going to be maximizing knee flexion. And because of where your quads attach around your knee, if you can really close the gap between your hamstrings and your calves, then you're going to have a good lengthening of the quads and working them in that position. So I really started applying a lot of the things that I learned from N1, especially as I went through, I did their programming on program design, but then I took it a step further and did some mentoring with Cody and that really helped fill in the blanks of a lot of their content. Their content is great, but it really, it, it filled, it filled in the blank between like the concepts and the application. And so I really, really loved it. Anyways, so that is where, when I started really, really refining my program design, because there's a lot of people who write programs and it is solely based off of this would be fun. This seems fun. These are my favorite exercises. And when I shifted from that being that type of coach to diving into biomechanics and physics and program design and training smart is actually when my body really started changing. And sometimes I'm like, ah, if only I could Finally, I had like, I could time travel. <laughs> I just watched this movie on time travel yesterday and I was just like, now it's like on my mind. And I just keep thinking, if only I could have time traveled back to that Lindsay that very, very first walked into the gym. And I would be tell her a few things. You don't need to be training six times a week, four to five at most. Four shows great muscle response just as much as five. Like, you don't need to be training excessively. You don't need to be staying in a calorie deficit all the time. Lindsay, eat more. Like I, I wish I could go back and and tell that and 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 stop banding every single glute exercise. Stop putting the bands around your legs because I was a person who did that. I even thought it would be fun to step on a Bosu ball and do like lunges and stuff. Like I, I wish so bad I could have gone back to that person and said, "Please don't do those things." <laughs> I'm going to help you. 
okay, I wouldn't. <laughs> Most people are like, really? I would probably would go back and tell my tell myself like invest in these stocks. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'd go back and tell Lindsay how to wisely invest in herself. Stop doing all of these things, Lindsay. Like, be smart about your training. So I've I've grown a lot in the past three years when it comes to program design and really have come a long way. And I'm really excited about my programming right now. And this, and I noticed this trend of the smarter my programming got and the more intentional I was, the better my results got. And so that's something, and, and intention and working hard is an important piece of it too, right? It doesn't matter how optimized a program is if somebody's not going in and giving it their all and not like going in and making every rep count. If they're going in and doing leg extensions plus texting their friends at the same exact time, more than likely you're not giving the leg extension the intensity level that it needs. So that's a huge flag for you to, okay, put the phone down, get your mind in the game because your mind is a huge piece. It's not, sometimes it's not about how much can I push this muscle Sometimes what stops us from pushing the muscle a bit further like we could is actually our mind. So I will work in person with a few of my clients and there have been times when I'm like, why did you stop? Why did you stop right there? You had two more reps in the tank. You were supposed to be going to failure. And sometimes I'll even ask him like, why did you set the weight there? That was supposed to be going to failure at this point, or you were supposed to be staying at least one away from failure. And I can tell you right now, you had like three or four left in the tank. Why didn't you choose a higher weight? And a lot of times it comes down to, they just didn't think they could do it. They said, okay, well, let's, let's do it then. And sure enough, bam, and they're like, wow, I had no idea I had that in me. And maybe it has to do with me standing over them. I don't know, but they had it in them. So if you have to like, I don't know what you have to imagine or where where your mind has to go, but if you have to imagine me standing over you, asking you these questions, why aren't you going heavier? And sometimes people go too heavy and then they're just sloppy and all over the place. So it's not just about going heavier. But with good form, if you can keep your form and go heavier, then you need to. But a lot of times it's in our mind. So anyways, as my ability to perform these exercises with higher levels of intensity and good form, because that is a skill level that continues to increase for me. So as that increased... Plus, my programming was getting smarter. I've seen in the past two years some really fun changes in my body, and I'm considered a trained individual. So the fact that I'm still seeing progress as a trained individual, like this is exciting. So I decided all of that spiel to tell you why I chose this new approach that I'm going to do. So I decided, okay, Last time I did body recomp, my training wasn't as good. My my form and execution have come a long ways. 
I've really been able to push myself even more. So I'm almost curious to know if, okay, what can I achieve in body, like at body recomp? Could I put on a pound over the next of muscle over the next three months and see maybe body fat come down a little bit more? You know, one pound of muscle over three months may not sound like a big deal, but to somebody who's trained, who's also trying to get a little bit of body fat to come off, that's actually pretty cool. So one to two pounds, like one pound of new muscle tissue on a trained individual at maintenance or in a surplus is already a big deal. Like that's exciting. But if I could put on one, one, maybe two, that's quite maybe a stretch in 12 weeks and lose a little bit of body fat, like that would be really exciting. And can I do it now that I'm training smarter? And even I'm smarter about food too. So I'm really curious about how my body is going to respond. So in my last episode, episode 23 that I did on muscle building, and I touched a little bit on body recomp, I shared a study where trained women, I think over an eight-week period, they saw body fat come down two pounds and they saw four pounds of muscle increase. Now you have to understand something about that study is I don't know if it was four and a half pounds of new contractile tissue. I highly doubt that. A lot of that could just be the swelling of the muscle and sarcoplasmic. And so just like like water retention, glucose levels could have been higher, like I, glycogen, I should say, levels could have been higher in the muscle. So to say 4.4 pounds of new contractile tissue, that's we can't say that. But we did see an increase. And so I don't know if two, two pounds of that was new contractile tissue. That would be cool too. That would actually be really, really cool. So um, so I'm really excited. A few weeks ago, I did a DEXA. And I've talked about that a little bit in my last podcast or last episode. But it's pretty much x-ray technology, being able to see bone density, fat mass, and muscle. And I'm really excited to actually do body recomp over the next now 10 weeks. I'm two weeks into this. And I've seen myself lean down a little bit. I'll talk about my approach here in a minute. I have seen myself lean down a little bit and the scale moved down two pounds. And so I'm a little worried that I'm a little bit on the lower end of the, a little too low. I'm at a 11% deficit and I've gone down two pounds. I've also increased my daily activity like steps I'm getting around 15,000. And that's a lot, right? So either I have to lower my steps and my movement or I have to increase my food a little bit because I don't want to see the scale keep moving down because that's a bad sign. That's a sign for me that I'm not necessarily putting on the muscle. I'm in too much of a calorie deficit. So I would much rather see in a month, 
the scale moved down one pound, me feeling a little bit leaner, but also seeing that my muscle is maintaining. And so I, being trained, I can't get into some like 20% calorie deficit and think that I'm going to also be putting muscle on. And so 10% is probably a little too steep. I'm okay with it right now though, because it's kind of fun seeing me getting leaner a little bit without being too hungry. So I'm kind of excited and I might keep doing this over the next two weeks and then increase my calories and probably even increase them back up to maintenance and do these last two months being really strict at maintenance. And then I'm really enjoying my daily movement though. That's the only thing. I'm really, really enjoying it. And it's not intense cardio. It's just my walks. I'm enjoying them so much. They're doing so much for my mental health. And so let me just dive in and really break down my approach. 11% deficit. I'm training four times a week. Training days are 2000 calories and my protein is just at 140. And I don't have set carbs or fats. It's just hit 2000 calories and be at 140 grams of protein or even higher. I don't care. Like this is how loose I'm kind of approaching this and that's okay. My non-training days, I'm at 1700 calories and I'm thinking this is too steep. I should have probably started at a 5% deficit now that I'm looking back. So my non-training days, I'm doing uh, 1700 calories. It's the same thing. Protein is 140. And as long as I hit calories of 1700 and protein can be 140 plus, I don't care. Now on training days, I tend to eat more carbs. Just letting you know, I, I love carbs. And so I do tend to eat more. Now I am training four times a week. And right now I'm doing some awesome intensity work. Think about this as being a little bit shifted more, like it's hypertrophy still, but a little bit more towards like the powerlifting kind of approach of three minute rest periods. So I'm really testing my strength. And in a few weeks, I'm doing this for six weeks. And then in a few weeks, I'm going to push into more of attention-based hypertrophy work. And then right before my DEXA, I'm actually going to go back and do the same program that I did right before my last DEXA, just so that I can try to keep training the same. And I'm going to be, I'm going to go back to my nutrition then too for the uh, two weeks before my DEXA to make sure that everything's the same, like water, carbs, training, even like what I did before I went in and got my DEXA and everything. So if if we can really have try to control that, then it gives us a more accurate DEXA. So a lot of times people will go and do a DEXA and they'll be like doing low carb. And then a few weeks later, they could just do high carb, do like AMPK, like incomplete rest method training and go in and a few weeks later, it could easily show that they've put on five pounds of muscle. And what you're just seeing that is like sargoplasmic. And so you really have to be smart when you're doing something like DEXAs where we really need to control things and make sure that we are coming in with the exact same environment as we did it last time. So that will be more accurate. 
So that's what my training's at. And then I do 20-minute morning walks. I love my walks. And on Wednesdays and Saturdays are my non-training days. And I am doing 40-minute incline walks. And then Sundays, I do a complete rest. So what are my expectations? Well, like I've said, I'm doing this because I am purely out of curiosity. Like this is so fun to me. How fun is this that I'm at this point where I'm like, I, I, I've improved my training. I've improved my knowledge of nutrition. I'm just going to see at a, as a trained individual what my body can do in three months. And it very well could be after three months, I'm like, wow, guys, my body stayed the same. Maybe I dropped like like a half a percent body fat, but my muscle stayed the same. Okay, wow. Uh, will I be doing a body recomp in the future again? Uh, no, well, because my body doesn't respond to it. And so I'm excited because I'm going to learn over the next three months what works and what doesn't for my body. And so I'm just really excited to do a total experiment. The reason why I'm telling you guys about this is because I feel like if more women went into fitness with this mindset of, I'm just one big experiment and I'm excited to see what happens. And no matter what happens at the end of this three months, I'm going to learn something about myself. So my expectations at the end of this three months is nothing. (laughs) My expectations at the end of this three months is to learn something about Lindsay, to learn what works, what doesn't. And then my next three months can be smarter. Well, actually, my next three months, I will be focused on doing my last in vitro because we have three frozen embryos and I'm getting old. I'm 37. I'm going to be 38 next year. And I didn't want to have kids past 35. I mean, I wanted to have kids. I didn't want them to die off when I was 35. I wanted to have kids, but I didn't want to still be having kids after 35. And here I am. God always has a different plan for us, right? It's, it's, I said it out loud. I told my friend one time, I just don't want to be that woman at 35 having kids. And God's like, duly noted, Lindsay's last pregnancy, age 38. Like, you're welcome. I feel like he's just up there. Like, whatever Lindsay says, you don't want to experience that awesome six months, nine days, five hours, you will. Like, I don't know. What what else do you do when you're gone? I'm just going to have fun. Lindsay's a funny one. She seems to handle things pretty well. She laughs most things off. She's not too traumatized. I will just give her this and this and this. Like... (laughs) Oh, man. So anyways, I made that mistake of saying it out loud. Sometimes I'll do that. And I'm just like, wait, never mind, God. I didn't I didn't just say that. I didn't just say I wanted to learn patience. I'm okay with being completely impatient. I'm perfectly fine with it. Don't teach me anything right now. Anyways, back to my plan. So honestly, guys, my goal is expectations are really I just want to learn something about how my body works. And I'm super excited to learn. I'm super excited to learn that, Lindsay, either, hey, look, I put on a pound of muscle, a pound and a half. Yay. That's exciting. Now I know something um, new about my body. Or it could just be like, a, ooh, well, that three months, nothing changed. 
But do you know what? I'm okay with that. I have all the time in the world. I don't need to prove anything. I'm just here to learn and experience and experiment. And so that's how I'm really approaching this. So I'm going to keep you guys up to date too with how things are going. So the first two weeks, I did notice, like I said, the the scale go down a little bit and I did notice leaning out more. And I think what the main reason why that happened, especially at like a 11% calorie deficit, is one, I went from doing walks like every, you know, uh, I think it was like four days, there was like 20 minute walks to now I upped my cardio, I upped my movement, but I was also just mindfully eating and mindfully keeping track of protein. I wasn't tracking. And so just tightening that up, I think is the reason why also the scale moved down and measurements moved down so quickly. A lot lot of times we'll see that over the first few weeks, things will move a little bit quicker and then kind of maybe not plateau, but just kind of slow down. So that's typical. And so I'll give it another week and kind of see how my body does by next Friday. I'll, I'll kind of see how my body's landed. If I go down another pound though, I'm going to raise my calories because I don't want to just see the scale move down. This is body recomp. So I want to make sure that I'm balancing this idea of, yes, I want body fat to come down, but I really want to see, can I see a, a, a shaving off of body fat while increasing muscle? And if me as a trained individual is leaning too far towards fat loss, then it is going to really minimize any amounts of muscle that I can put on, right? So it's just kind of like, which way am I leaning? Am I leaning towards a little bit towards a maintenance or slight surplus? Then I'm going to probably edge out a little bit more muscle and not see the body fat come off. So it's kind of, I'm just figuring this out and finding a sweet spot for myself. And so that's what I'm doing, guys. And I hope... I really, 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 really hope a few things are taken away from this rambling episode of me just telling you guys what I'm doing. One, I hope you walk away with, you can be far more flexible in your approach. For example, I told you, I, you know, some days I'm hitting 2000 calories and it's a minimum of 140 grams of protein, but I can go higher. My problem is, is that I usually do. I love protein. And if you've watched me on Instagram, I know how to get my protein in. It's like easy for me to get 30, 35 grams in a meal. So I tend to get a 140 grams or, or higher. Like the other day I got 170 grams and still landed at 2000 calories. Anyway, so mainly it's just land at the calorie count. I have a minimum of protein. And do you know what? You can do this for a cut too. Like you can be way more flexible. Let your carbs and fats fall where they may. And some people really enjoy that flexibility. So that's one that I hope you take away is flexibility. Two is lower your expectations and just enjoy this process of learning something about yourself. Like the truth is our bodies are not some equation of one plus one equals two. We want it to be that way, but the truth is it's not. And every single body is so different. So I'm really excited to do this experiment. And I hope that you are empowered with the knowledge of, do you know what? You can do experiments on yourself too. Like 
you can do these experiment, these fitness experiments and see what works best for me. Because it doesn't matter what works best for Sally down the street. Have you ever heard somebody tell you about their life and you're like, that's great for you, but that doesn't work for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's the same thing with fitness, right? So that's great that that works for you. If you watch me on Instagram and you think you have to do everything that I do, please stop. Stop thinking that right this second. Because on so many levels, you are not me. And so you need to find out what works best for you. And that's what I'm doing right now. I've been told, you know, the literature shows body recomp is possible for a trained individual. I'm skeptical about myself. I'm skeptical that it will work for me. But do I want to kind of, now that I know more about nutrition and training, and my training has really been optimized over the past three years, can I now, because my training is a lot better, can I edge out more muscle than I could three, four years ago when I was sitting, you know, in a slight calorie deficit and trying to build? I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious about this. I'm curious. So how I'm going to move things though is, like I said, I'm going to kind of watch things if I, if over the next week I lose another pound, then I'm going to increase calories. Because like I said, I don't want to see more fat loss than muscle being built. We still need enough supplies to get muscle being built. So body recomp, when you're trained, actually becomes a lot more difficult. And you got to figure things out a little bit more. If you, if you haven't listened to my last episode, episode 23 on muscle building, please do. A lot of this is going to make more sense as I go through it. And so that's going to be my approach right now. Another thing that I could do at the end of this next week is I could cut out the 40 minutes of incline walking. And instead of including more food, maybe just cut that out. So there's a few things. When we're looking at balancing a little bit more of the energy in and energy out, either move things on nutrition or I'm going to pull things back on my output, which is that 40-minute walk. But right now I'm really enjoying it. I really am. And so I probably will bring my calories up a little bit more, probably to like a 5% deficit. And that's not much, guys. That's really not much. And then I'll just kind of watch the scale over the next few weeks. And depending on how things move, I may introduce, I may just go right back up to maintenance and see how I can push things. Now, likewise, in the gym, I am meticulously tracking my lifts and I am really going to be pushing to increase or I'm really going to be pushing and focusing on progressive overload. Like my training needs to progress. If I am really going to edge out any more muscle, I've really got to see that progressing. So that is what I am doing. A lot of people have been asking me about my husband because the whole reason I started thinking about body recomp again was actually because Alex was like, hey, we have vacations coming in August. I really want to drop uh, some body fat. And how would you like to go into a calorie deficit with me? And I thought, said, I don't want to because I like food. <laughs> I didn't want to go into a calorie deficit. But 
I did want to support him. And so I started thinking, you know, I've been reading this research on body recomp. I'm kind of curious now, um, especially with my, like I said, my training and nutrition being so optimized now. Like I, I'm kind of curious, maybe now is the time to test this out. And so that's why I really decided to do this. That was the final push. Otherwise, I probably in September would have just pushed into another build. Anyway, so Alex was like really excited. He's doing this cut. He's really excited about it. And then what happens is he got a shoulder injury. And if you know anything about shoulder injuries, you now can't do any upper body, like no upper body. And then he went into the doctor and the doctor told him, okay, no, no lifting for six weeks, upper body lifting at all for six weeks, no lifting with your left arm. That's the left, the left shoulder is what he injured for 12 weeks. So we pretty much just wiped out all lifting on upper body for this time period that he was going to be doing a calorie deficit. And so that just, that was hard. And can I just share something with you? I was telling him like, it's okay. We got this and trying to, you know, be positive. And he was like, you know, there really is such a thing as toxic positivity. And he goes, I'm going to let myself really feel this because this really sucks. And he had a few days where he just let himself feel the fact that like almost mourn the fact that he couldn't lift. And he couldn't do what he wanted to do. And then after he felt it all, he sat down, got a plan, regrouped. He's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to be a little bit more aggressive on calories because my output is changing, right? So energy out is changing. I can still do lower body exercises. I'm very kind of, uh, can't do a whole lot, but I can still do some low body so what he's going to be doing in the gym is he's going to be going in three times a week and doing lower body work, pretty much grabbing any machine that will keep him stable, that he's not loading his shoulder. That's what he's going to be doing. So he's been getting really creative with tempo and with sets and reps and how he's working everything with his lower body because he can't do anything upper body right now. And then on top of that, he's going to be doing walks and then he is doing cardio three times a week, and he's going to be doing the seated bicycle. And that's what he can do. And so he told me, he's like, okay, I'm, I mourned this. I felt it. It sucks. And now I'm just going to control what I can control. And I still really want to do a calorie deficit. And so he's going into this calorie deficit and he's just going to do what he can do. And I love that. I love that that's where his mind is. But I also love that he took time to mourn it because it was really, really sad. So that's his approach. And what's really cool is Alex did a DEXA with me before. So after 12 weeks, we're going to be doing another DEXA. And it will be actually very interesting to see what taking 12 weeks off of upper body work, if we see some muscle atrophy on the upper body. And some of that's going to be just depletion of glycogen stores and water and all of that. So I'm, we're not too worried, but it will be really interesting to have that DEXA and have that information that we can kind of review. And then after a few months, do another DEXA and see, okay, was he able to get back to where he was before? 
we're really excited to be using these DEXs and then coming on the podcast and kind of walking you through what we've found and how things worked out with his injury, right? And if there was atrophy, how fast it took him to get back to where he was before. And so I'm really excited about all this information. Anyways, I get a lot of questions about what my goals are, what my approaches are. And so hopefully this episode has helped answer some of your questions, giving you guys some ideas on ways that you can approach your own fitness because there are so many flexible ways to do so. So it all comes down to what's your goal? How are you going to set your expectations for it? And are your efforts lined up appropriately with your expectations? Thank you so much for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. If you have any questions, you can message me on Instagram at Lifting Lindsay. You can also go to liftinglindsay.com to sign up for my optimized training program, as well as see options for personal coaching.